of all living entities, of all living entities who have taken shelter of you. Prajpatara, the master of protectors. Sunita, known as. Translation and purpose by His Divine Grace, A. Siva Kriyanta Swami, Shiva Prabhupada. Oh, greatly fortunate ones, you should not kill these poor trees by burning them to ashes. Your duty is to wish the citizens, priyas, all prosperity and to act as their protectors. It is indicated, indicated herein that the government of him has the duty to put, of protecting not only human beings, but all other living entities, including animals, trees, and plants. No living entity should be killed unnecessarily. Chakshurumitanjanatasmaisriguravenamaha Nivisesa Sunyavadi, Paschatiade Satari. Vamchakalpataluvias Chakripas Induria Evata, Patitanam Pavanivio, Vaisna Vidio Namonimaha. Hare Krishna, thank you so much for being in Vata class today. As part of the glorification and reciting Bhagavatam daily, the idea is that we can share some kind of realizations. So my apologies to you all that I have no many realizations to share with you. But I'll try to perhaps repeat some uh, statements and points that I have heard and try to understand as well. So at this point, the Bhavatan, uh, it's, uh, it's like a changing a bit what we have been studying before. Somebody remember what we were studying last week? Oh, we, we were about, we finished one big session last week. Yes, Matthew. Yeah, the topic about Jamila, that's right. And it was like a, almost three chapters, yeah, full three chapters, uh, narrating the pastime of Ajamila. Somebody remember what is the main teaching of this story in the Bhagavatam? Because Bhagavatam gives us a lot of teachings, a lot of pastime stories, but it's not just like an entertainment stories that we like to hear. It's, there are teachings behind them. So these stories are very important and the teachings are transcendental because are beyond time and space and is related to every one of us. So in that way, 
can we at least try to remember some of the main teachings of the pastime of Jamila, what, what happened? Please? What is the main teaching? Chanting the holy name. What happened with that chanting the holy name? Yeah. Jamila chanted the name of the Lord, Narayan, and for that reason, because Narayan, the name of the Lord is not different from the Lord, and the Lord sent the Vishnu Duttas in order to protect Ajamila. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yes. Well, basically, if we try to understand what is the main uh, teaching of Ajamila pastime, yes, it's the glories of the holy name of the Lord. But sometimes we tend to get a bit uh, confused about uh, the benefit or the glories of the holy name. In the, in the past time of Ajamila, for example, we learned that by just once, or at the time of death, Ajamila uh, pronounced the name of the Lord, called out his son, Narayan, and at the same time it's the name of the Lord. By doing that, uh, he received the benefit of being relieved from going to hell. And uh, we wonder if uh, that is actually the benefit of chanting the holy name of the Lord. That is the main goal, why we are chanting Hare Krishna, because we are the Hare Krishna movement. Many people around the world, they know us as the Hare Krishnas. And uh, we chant, the, well, by calling us the Hare Krishnas, they are also chanting the names of the Lord. We understand that. And ourselves, or we base our practices in chanting the holy name of the Lord. Uh, but why we do that? Is because we want to get uh, free from the time, from the reaction of our sinful activities, like uh, Ajamila did. Or what is actually the main benefit or the main purpose by why we are chanting Hare Krishna? Somebody knows what is the main goal? Krishna prayer? Yeah. Yes, it's something that we need to always remember. Because we are generally because of our conditionary state and knowing that we have the propensity to commit mistakes and sinful activities. The most of us, we would like to be purified from, from <clears throat> the reaction of our sinful activities. Am I wrong? We would like to be free from the reaction of our sinful activities. Yes? And yes, so when we practice the, uh, any spiritual process, the basic idea of the living entity of the human being is try to get purifi purified from the reaction of sinful activities. But, uh, we learn in Krishna consciousness that that is not actually the main purpose why we are practicing or chanting Hare Krishna. The main purpose is beyond just simply getting rid of our uh, sinful reactions. 
it's not that the main thing that we are pursuing or we should pursue. The main purpose is to obtain something that is not easy to obtain. And not many people know about it also, but we need to remember and remind each other what is actually the purpose by why we are chanting Hare Krishna and when we do so, what, is, what should be our consciousness, what should be our meditation. We are aiming for something that is beyond um, the, uh, for example, beyond the understanding of even higher mystic powerful yogis, beyond the uh, understanding of many Karmakandi people, philosophers. And it's Krishna Prema, a more a pure love for God. Pure love for God is something that is not easy to achieve because we understand that by getting pure love for Krishna is the only way, the only way, the only way that we can obtain Krishna. So it's something that it's not easy to get and it's not also very well understood. But it's, that is the legacy that Srila Prabhupada and our Sampradaya, our Guru Parampara, are giving us the option, the opportunity to achieve this higher, the topmost goal in life. Pure love for God. So let's keep that in mind while we are chanting Hare Krishna. It's not just getting rid of our sinful activities, of sinful reactions, and being free from suffering. Because we all are experiencing suffering in life, that is part of the package of being in this material world. It will happen. It will happen to everybody and all the time. So the idea is that we need to train ourselves how to face those. So that the, the life of a devotee is not free from suffering. The life of a devotee is the opportunity to choose how to react to those adversities in life, to those sufferings that they will come no, 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 way, no way to avoid that. That will happen to everybody in different degrees. So based on that point, for example, I wanted to, to point out, for example, what's happening at this moment because when we start, we study the Ajamila pastime was based on a question that uh, out of compassion, Parikshin Maharaj asked a question to Sukadeva Swami, how to deliver to those living entities who go to hell? Because uh, if you remember, uh, Parikshin Maharaj asked the question to Sukadeva Swami to describe how the living entities are distributed or are located in the universe. So the whole fifth canto that we studied was about the structure of the universe, where Sukadev Goswami was explaining how all the variety of living entities due to their state of consciousness 
are living in different uh, planetary systems. And then while he was describing that aspect, at the end he described the hellish, hellish planets. So it's so very graphic that description that Farikshi Maharaj was so uh, uh, concerned for the all living entities. How we can help those living entities? There is any hope to help those living entities to go to hell because if we see the description how who are going to help or those different kinds of health, probably most of us we will be going there. Hmm? So some some descriptions that oh if you do that you will go to hell. So I was revising my activities and sometimes my previous week and devotee probably even previous lifetimes. I was oh I'm candidate to go to that planet to that hellish planet and this oh many many lifetime different hellish planets. So but the, because out of the compassion uh Maharaj asked the question so how is any option to help those living entities? So Based on that question, Sukadeva Goswami, uh, in this uh, sixth canto, explained the story about Ajanila, how the living entity can be safe of going to help. And the main uh, way to be safe is by chanting the holy names of the Lord. Yes. We will be safe to go into health. But again, as we mentioned before, it's not just the, that's the goal of life, go, avoiding going to health. By chanting Hare Krishna, we receive that byproduct. Okay, our simple activities will be eradicated. We don't have to go to health. The Jamalutas won't come to us at the time of death. But the main goal is what is the main goal by chanting Hare Krishna? Pardon me? Krishna Prema, yes. We are looking for obtaining pure love, Krishna. Okay, so then after we finish this story, again another question, this chapter, start with another question of Parikshin Maharaj. Do you remember what is the question? What is the question that Parishi Maharaj posed to Sukadeva Swami? Just a few verses. The first one. Today is the seventh, so the first, the second text. To explain more about how the living entities were created? Yeah. He, he asked about, please, can you explain more about the secondary creation, all the living entities, how they were created? So we wonder, you know, it's changing a little bit the topic. Now Parikshin uh, Maharaj wants to know about the secondary creation. And we heard that Bhagavatam described ten main topics. And according to Siddhar Swami, that is the first uh, commentator of Bhagavatam, he said that uh, the ten main topics of Bhagavatam are described gradually in a sequence in different cantos of Bhagavatam. The first, the second canto, third canto about Swarga, Sarga. All those ten topics, 
But at the same time, uh, Jiva Goswami says something a little bit different about it. Jiva Goswami says that, uh, yes, the 10 topic of Bhagavatam uh, are described in the different cantos of Bhagavatam, but not in a sequence, uh, in a sequence way how um, Siddhar Swami com- uh, mentioned. Jiva Swami said that all these ten topics are described in each canto of Bhagavatam. So we can see all these topics in every canto. Of course, some points are emphasized a bit more in, in different cantos. So in this canto, sixth canto, the main topic that is emphasized is the protection. So it's Krishna's portion, the, the topic that is describing, and mainly in this canto, emphasizing more about how Krishna protects his devotees. And we start the very, the very beginning, in the very beginning, the story of Ajamila is another way how we learn how Krishna is protecting his devotees through his holy name, through the devotees, and different different rules and regulations established in the Sanatana Dharma. Different ways how Krishna protects his devotees. Also, for example, Vishwanatha Chakravarti Thakur described that um, Srimad Bhavatan is like a he does does a very beautiful description and like analogy <clears throat> Sriman Bhavatan is like Mohini Murti. Do you remember who is Mohini Murti? Who is Mohini Murti? Um, Lord Krishna. Lord Krishna? Shiva. Lord Shiva. Is Lord Krishna in the form of turtle? No. In the form of fish. No. Mohini Murti is the form of Krishna of a beautiful woman. The most beautiful woman. So he said that uh, if, if you remember the pastime of churning uh, the ocean, Mohini Murti appears when the demigods and the demons were having a truth and they tried to churn the ocean. To, with the purpose to obtain the nectar, the immortality. So once they got it, the demons, they just snatched the nectar and they wanted to uh, enjoy themselves, so they didn't want to share with the, the demigods. But because of the nature of demonic nature, they were fighting between them. They didn't know, they didn't want to share among them equally, but they were fighting who would take first and things like that. So at that moment, Mohini Murti, the form of the Lord, in the form of a beautiful woman, appeared and bewildered them. So with her charming qualities, she managed to get the nectar from the, dem- from the demons and give it to the devotees, to the demigods. 
So in that way, he said that Bhagavatam is describing different stories, not giving us different knowledge. Even many scholars, they appreciate Srimad Bhagavatam. There are many commentators about Srimad Bhagavatam. It's one of the books that many commentators appear, and all from different perspectives, from different angles of view. And But, like Mohini Murti, Bhagavatam is giving or revealing the transcendental aspect to only to the devotees. Not everybody is able, or those commentators are able to uh, identify the main purpose of Srimad Bhagavatam. I remember once my Guru Maharaj, he has academic preaching programs, and he mentioned about one um, Indian, uh, very famous uh, is, uh, historian uh, who was studying about all the Vedas and the sacred scriptures, but from an academic point of view. And uh, Rao, well, I can't remember his name exactly, but his surname is Rao. So he is very knowledgeable. He was very renowned and knowledgeable academic. And he said that uh, all the Vedas, he was studying the Vedic, the script, the Vedic scripture more like a 50 years or more. And he said that all the Puranas, all the uh, Sanhitas, all the Vedas are like uh, stars in the sky. But those stars are, you know, at night time, the stars are, uh, the lights of the stars are very luminous and we are able to appreciate them. But he said, he said that this starts illuminating, but until the moon of Srimad Bhavatan appeared. So when the moon appeared, all the stars, they lose importance. The full moon of Bhavatan appeared. And he said that because, not just for the grammar, that is the perfect grammar, it's also the beauty of the poetry and also the compositions, the analogy, the way how it's described, it's composed, Bhagavatam, is like the moon in the sky. But he wasn't able to appreciate what is the main point of Srimad Bhagavatam, what is the purpose, what is revealing Bhagavatam. But he appreciated Bhagavatam from the scholastic point of view, but from the devotional point of view, that aspect was hidden from him. Because like Mohini Murti, he just revealed, gave the nectar to the devotee and not to the demons. That is uh, analog the analogy that Vishwanatha Chakravarti Thakur said about Srimad Bhavatam. But also it said that uh, uh, in the Kateng Kanto, when, for example, with the full description of Krishna as the cowherd boy. That, that is the most sweet, is the sweetest and the most uh, attractive form of the Lord for a devotee. The cowherd boy, Krishna, playing with his friends in Vrindavan, playing with the flute, uh, playing the flute with the devotees. That is the most 
attractive feature of God for a devotee. But why now, for example, Parikshit Maharaj is asking, could you please explain more about the all living entities of the creation, the secondary creation? Why not please explain about Krishna? What is the purpose now to study about the secondary creation, how the other living entities are created? But because the main topic for us, or the main point for us, is to learn to know Krishna and the most attractive form of Krishna. So, in this case, as some commentators and devotees explain that uh, why Parichit Maharaj is asking this question is for the benefit of all of us. Do you know or you, can you reckon what would be the benefit for all of us at learning about this secondary creation? What would be the purpose of talking about this point? Is it just Krishna's pastime, the most attractive pastime, the ten canto? We can go straight to the ten canto, but no, we are still studying the creation, secondary creation, and now how the all living, other living entities are created. We will learn this in this chapter, how, for example, this time the Prachetas, after coming out from their austerities under the water, now this, this, when they come and they see all the planet covered with the trees, all the vegetations growing, Whole, covering whole the planet, so they were so upset and they wanted to burn the trees and they did it. They were burning all the trees because they were, it was covering all the surface and they were full of anger. And now they, they had stopped, they, they, they had been stopped, don't burn them. They had been instructed that you should not do that. Who came to to tell, him, to tell them, don't burn the, the trees? Do you remember who is telling to the Prachetas, don't do that? The uh, moon god. The moon god, Soma, yeah. He said, the, Soma, uh, the moon god said, please don't do it. And he comes to remind them their function, their purpose. Because as a chatria, as a ruler, they have the purpose to protect all the citizens. And uh, by reminding them about their duty, you need to protect all the living entities and not destroy them. And every living entity has a function. It's like a harmony. Uh, Krishna, well, we, just, we will learn about the secondary creation. Main the first, the primary and secondary creation has a purpose. And every living entity has a function, a specific function, that creates a harmony in all creation. And by destroying one species, one species of life or extinction of one species of life, create an imbalance in that harmony in, this, in the nature. And the purpose is to maintain that harmony and pro give it protection. So, but before going to that point, I was asking what would be the benefit for us to study about the secondary creation and not going straight to Krishna's 
sweet pastimes in Vrindavan. Uh, I was listening to a lecture of uh, Giriyash Maharaj and he explained that, um, uh, well, at this time, it's important to understand the consciousness of who is speaking Bhagavatam and who is asking, and the context. When Bhagavatam was spoken uh, in Nainisarana, the sages of Nainisarana, Sutta Goswami was explaining to them, repeating what he heard, that Sukadeva Goswami and Parikshin Maharaj were discussing Bhagavatam. So the audience, it's very particular at that time. When Sukadeva Goswami was explaining Bhavatan, or was narrating Srimad Bhavatan to Parikshin Maharaj, Parikshin Maharaj wasn't alone there. Do you know who were around the Parikshin Maharaj? All the sages and the Narayanas, everyone. Yes, that's right. All the sages, many uh, intellectual yogis and sages, with a lot of needs. They didn't have to die like Parikshit Maharaj. He was about to die in five, ten, uh, seven days. But all the sages were around there. So, but Sukadeva Goswami was aware about the needs of the audience, and also. He was trying to cater for all their needs at the same time. So it said that we hear about these topics, we learn about these topics in Bhagavatam, because it's addressed to all the variety of people who are, perhaps they have some doubts, some questions, because not everybody is ready to listen directly Krishna's pastime and understand that this cowherd boy is the creator of the whole universe. It's very difficult to ascertain straightforward when you hear about Krishna's running in, in Vrindavan, playing with the gopis or cowherd boys. This is the creator, the proprietor of the whole universe. It's a little bit difficult to understand. Even Brahma was very confused what to say us. So for that reason, he said that these topics in Bhagavatam are described with the idea to help us to understand who is God, what is his, what are his potencies, what, is his, what are his energies, how he acts. And the topmost expression of that God fully expressed is the one who is described in the Ten Canto of Bhagavatam. So we need to learn of these topics basically for us to understand who is God and to instill in us the proper attitude how we can approach to God, how we can approach the Ten Canto. And when we hear the pastime of Krishna in Vrindavan, we won't be uh, confused about who is God, who we are listening about, or who we are talking about. So for that reason, now we will start learning how the secondary creation take, took place. He said that uh, Daksha is one of the priapatis who was engaged, engaged in create all the different living entities. And in order to do his function, his service, 
he did something that we all know, all we need to learn how to do. He was creating, he, Daksha has the power to create living entities from his mind and also from his semen. But he created all the demigods, living entities, human beings, birds, with, from his mind, but he wasn't happy. And then he decided to do some austerities, some meditations, in order to get some insights from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So he uh, retired himself, to, he isolated himself to do meditation, and when he meditated, he started offering some prayers to the Lord. So these are the Hansat Guhyan prayers that we will listen, we will learn, we will hear in the subsequent texts. So Daksha was engaged in, those, in that meditation, those prayers, in order to get insights how to do his service. So all of us, we are trying to be engaged in devotional service and how we can perform our sankirtan, our activities, our service that can be pleasing to God, pleasing to Krishna and devotees. So one of the tips that here we can learn is praying to Krishna, praying to spiritual master for insights guidance how we can perform or ideally our service. So this is one point that I wanted to share with you. And then another point is based on protection. That is a little bit more emphasized in this text. What is protection actually? Um, from the managerial point of view, who is a ruler, who is the king, and who are the citizens, what are the rules or the duties of a king, are nicely described in previous canto. Do you remember the pastime of Fritu Maharaj? Yeah, the ideal king. This is a Tibetan avatar, a form of Krishna, who performed the best management, ideal management, and the perfect king in the planet. And there are nice descriptions how should be the, the citizens should be protected, what should be the rules or guidelines for management. Also, we study about Dhruva Maharaj. He also was one of the kings for 32,000 years. After having darshan of the Lord and receiving his blessings, he was a in charge of the management of the universe and empowered by Krishna. So he also displayed the ideal character of a ruler, the ideal king. And he said that when he was uh, leading the universe, all the citizens were happy because they felt like uh, the king was like the father. The father has two functions, the nourishment and upbringing of the child, but at the same time, the correct teaching of upbringing uh, the proper uh, character of the child. That be sometimes through punishment or corrections, if it's required, 
and also with loving exchanges, loving care. So that was the mood of Dhruva Maharaj in regard to citizens and all the living entities while he was uh, leading the government for 32,000 years. Idea this time, I guess, Satya Yuga. But in Kali Yuga, it's a little bit more different, uh, completely different, I would say, where we experience in many cases the management, uh, the government, uh, a lot of difficulties in providing that a main function of protection of the citizens. And that is very much uh, evident when we see that not all the living entities are being protected. And obviously we see in Kali Yuga where even animals are exploded by the purpose only to sense gratification and are killed. So that's something that uh, is very detrimental, but it's, it's happening and something that we need to be more aware that what would be the function, or what is the function of the ideal government and the all living entities, all, without exception, should be protected. And perhaps we are not the kings or the leaders in the government, but somehow or another, we have some functions our, in our environment, in our house or place where we live, we have an area of influence, area of control. So little kings. So how we can express that, or, or more than express, how we can perform that duty of protection, even coming from ourselves, protecting ourselves, and then from there, all around us, the living entity, relatives, friends, even plants, animals around. So that also can be another point that all of us can we learn or be aware of what that means protection. But one point that is obvious and we are trying to understand and learn is that despite of our endeavor of trying to protect others, ourselves, or trying to fulfill our duties, always will be imperfection. Uh, but the only person who can provide the perfect and full protection is Krishna. Yes. It's something that we need to have clear understanding. Because we can expect from the authorities, from management, from the government, some kind of protection. And because due to their lack of uh, perhaps qualification, knowledge, or resources, whatever it is, they are not able to provide that protection. So we'll be always some frustration in our experience. And that creates disturbance. But if we understand, especially based on this transcendental knowledge, if we understand that the only person that can provide without fail full protection is Krishna, so no expectations, no dissatisfactions, no even disappointments will be our experience. But also it's important to understand how Krishna is protecting 
especially protecting his devotees. In Bhagavad Gita is very important, very expressive how Krishna said clearly, emphasizing to Arjuna said, please declare that my devotee never perish. That Krishna very emphatically said, why? Because he is taking care of the protection of his devotee. Krishna has different perspectives, like from our point of view, for we, we can see things in a different way, but Krishna, the, his vision is beyond our understanding, and based on that is the application of that protective nature, or the experience, our experience of that protective nature of the Lord is very unique and very, um, I would say, sometimes beyond our understanding. Because our, uh, when we try to perceive the nature based of our, from our limited senses and capacity of reasoning, we will never ascertain properly what Krishna or how Krishna acts, how Krishna reciprocates, or how Krishna expresses that protect, protective nature in his devotee's life. There is one pastime that perhaps you have heard. It was quite interesting and for me personally was uh, very uh, inspiring to share with you. It's, um, it said that uh, one elderly lady, very devoted to Krishna, very devoted, and she was very convinced that Krishna always will protect her. And she openly said to everybody, oh, here yeah, Krishna is protecting me, Krishna is very kind, Krishna is fair, he will protect me. And one atheist was listening and said, well, no, no, actually, how is that? I will show you that not always Krishna protects you. So he arranged that uh, every day one of his servants will come and give, feed the lady, elderly lady, give her nice uh, food, some facilities. So during 30 days he did that, using somebody else. So then that 80s approach to the lady, he said, well, uh, do you realize who is protecting you? Yes, God. Krishna is protecting me. Uh, so how is that? How is that Krishna is protecting you? Yes, every day one man was coming to me, giving me all nice food, all taking care of my needs, every day. So that eighty said, yes, do you know that that man is my servant? I send him every day to do that for you. So I was protecting you. And the lady was crying, was crying, but not in lamentations. She was crying because out of gratitude. And that person asked him, the 80s asked her, why are you crying? And the lady said, oh, my, my Lord is so great, so great, that he even protect me through you from the 180s. So Krishna is always protecting even through you. So for her real understanding, he, she wasn't like a erudite or knowing all the Bhagavad and Shastras, all the texts, but she has 
that firm conviction that Krishna is protecting her. And she was able to see how Krishna does it, even through different peoples. And she would say, even through, an, 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 through one atheist, Krishna is protecting me, is providing for my needs. So the vision of her, because of the body, she sees Krishna everywhere. One of the points that I wanted to share with you is in the previous chapter where Yamaraj was instructing his uh, the Yamadutas, because you know in the past time of Ajamila, the Yamadutas were very confused who is establishing Dharma, why is ha what's happening, Yamaraj, uh, Ajamila should be punished, why he's not punished now, who is setting the Dharma? Who is setting the rules? So in that way, uh, Yamaraj took the opportunity to instruct the Ajamadutas. And one of the points that uh, personally was very touched and got stuck in my brain is that Yamaraj uh, tried to instill in them the understanding that if we see Krishna, as the autumn and protan. Do you remember those words? Autumn protan. And it said autumn protan, the vertical and the horizontal thread. When you within the uh, cloth, we have some threads, no? the vertical and the uh, horizontal, and they, they have to be within in that in a way that join, all those points they join, yes? So that means Krishna is everywhere. He is the Otan and Proptan in every circumstance, in whatever thing that you see in the universe. And he is behind when, for example, when the, those clothes, those, uh, the material is written properly, the joint point of the vertical and horizontal are not so noticeable. It's very fine, but the joint is there, the joint point is there. When it's so fine, so uh, the quality is very high, it said that it's the same way how Krishna can be uh, so hidden in external manifestations, but he is present there. We need to understand that he is the autumn and protan of everything, subtle, gross, whatever exists. And if we learn to understand that way, the presence of Krishna, we will be able to interact with him. That was one of the points that I personally was like, oh, Krishna, Yamaraj is instructing this to the Yamadutas and how we can apply this in our life when we try to understand Krishna's protection if we see the presence of Krishna as the autumn and fruitan in everything so we will never feel fear we will always feel his presence and feel protected in whatever circumstance happen even adverse situations when we have to experience some perhaps uh, discomfort. There is another pastime that I heard from one uh, pastor, Christian pastor. 
he was um, trying to ex exemplify this point of the protection of the Lord that goes beyond our understanding. But Krishna is protecting. If you allow me, I'll share that this story. This is also personally very remarkable for me uh, in my personal life as well. And I guess also very much related to the experience of devotees. He said that um, uh, one person was experiencing a lot of struggles and difficulties in life from every point of view, like most of us. Nobody can say that they don't have difficulties. We don't have difficulties, yeah? All of us. It's just a question to scratch a little bit the surface and inside we will see all the difficulties. We can be like a smiling face, but inside, all of us, we are experiencing difficulties. So this person was having those very intense times. So he was struggling so much that he decided, I need to go away from these problems. So he got a boat. He said, I'll isolate myself, I'll go to, to the ocean, I'll sail in my boat. So he decided to escape of the problems. And um, he was in the middle of the ocean, trying no more problems, so-called no more problems, trying to get some peace of mind. But suddenly, in the middle of the ocean, a big storm started. So thunders, thunderbolts, and lightning, and all the waves of the ocean were very uh, big and furious. A lot of the, the ocean was so agitated, and the little boat was like a, struggling to be up. So then, suddenly, this. Uh, a man, this person realized, no, I cannot do anymore. I cannot do it my, by myself. I have to surrender to Krishna. I have to surrender. So he was praying, oh my Lord, please help me. Please help me. I cannot do it by myself. I surrender to you. Please help me. But very sincere, that prayer. So he knew that if he doesn't surrender to God, he realized I cannot do anything by my own. So with that sincerity, he was praying and suddenly one lightning struck to the board and then everything was burning on fire. Everything on fire. And then he said, oh my God, I'm praying to you, please help me. And now the boat is in fire and everything was burning and he just jumped out of the boat and the ocean was so furious, moving all around. And he just managed to hold himself from the one lock out of the burning sticks that are from the boat. And that, that he was just very confused. What is happening? I'm surrendered to you, God, and you're giving me this. I cannot understand. And then in a few minutes, one big boat approached, you know, one ship was approaching. And the captain of the ship said, was saving, not trying to save that person who was almost drowning. And then they, they rescued him. And the captain said, oh, it was so good that the, the, your boat was uh, in fire. Because if we wouldn't be in fire, we wouldn't be able to see you. We wouldn't be able to see you, then we won't rescue you. So it was needed. 
that they bought uh, some fire in order to get better benefit. No? So it will perhaps uh, relate to this past and I do relate in my personal life sometimes. A lot of struggles and suddenly Krishna no more and then something else, wow! And then after the benefit is beyond our understanding, with all beyond our expectation. And sometimes those intense experiences are needed for us to, to appreciate more how Krishna is protecting us. And also having faith that Krishna, he himself in Bhagavad Gita very emphatically said, Declare Arjuna that my devotee never perish. Never perish. So we need to develop that faith, that conviction. Even despite of all the difficulties that we all experience in life, and even in association among devotees, it's not easy. Perhaps you probably relate. It's, um, dealing with devotees, sometimes it's said that it's like a, a, you see the roses, nice roses with tones, yeah? That association of devotees can be sometimes the rubbing of those roses with tones. And it sometimes is needed, because in that way those tones will, will go up, will disappear, and then fine, beautiful roses will be remaining to be offered to the Lord. So let's remember those points in order for us to have that conviction that Krishna always protects his devotees, even in those difficult times when we are losing faith, when we are struggling to understand how Krishna can be protecting me. Sometimes we can feel like an abandonment, or oh, Krishna is not anymore with me. But no, Krishna is there. Krishna is the autumn and protem. Well, I stop here. Uh, any comments? Any questions? Yes, Sylvia. Why she took the nectar from the demons and even to the demigods? Well, actually, Krishna knows better what is the, be the better way to do things, yes? What is the ultimate benefit of what is good for all of us? And in this case, for example, with the Mohini Murti and demigods and the demons, and for her not giving to the demons the the nectar and just to the devotees, because Krishna knew, or Mohini Murti knows, that who will use those, the nectar in a proper manner and proper way. So in that, based on that understanding, who will get the better use, or who will give the better use to this uh, nectar? And only a devotee of the Lord can give the better use of the things that we have in, in life. It said that, for example, the difference 
between a demon or the body is the consciousness. We can have all, all the good qualities, all the good qualifications, but if we don't have the proper consciousness, so we are demons. And what is the consciousness of a devotee that differs from a materialistic or demon mind? Is that everything belongs to Krishna, who is the proprietor of everything, is Krishna, and who will enjoy those energies or those resources is Krishna. And the demonic mentality is, this is for my enjoyment. So in that way, the demons and the demigods, Mohini Murti knew that the demigods will give proper use to this nectar because it's belonging to God and it's for the purpose of serving God. And the demons will be, it's for my enjoyment, and when I try to enjoy, my tendency to control and love others, entities, exploring other, other living entities, creating more disturbance. So Krishna is also trying to benefit others in that way. The protection goes to all in a different ways. Even Mohini Murti is protecting the demons by not giving them the nectar because they won't be able to use it in a proper manner. So it's protecting them to create more disturbance, to avoid them to create more disturbance. It's a kind of protection of them. That answers your question? <coughs> yes? Any other question? Any comment? No? Thank you so much for your attention then. Ranta Rasri Madhvavatanki, Jara Shiva Prabhupaki, Jara Gaura Premanami Hari Hari Ho, Vansa Kalpataruyacha, Kripa Sandhu Yaracha, Pritana Pavani Vyo, Vaishnavi Vyo, Namaskar.